What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to episode 42 of True North Talk. I hope that if you're feeling blue, this episode is the perfect episode for you. Mm. What is what a rhyme? You know, we yes, went away sir. from the rhymes for a little bit, uh, <laughs> but we're coming back. We're bringing the yes, rhymes sir. back. Uh, we're on the attack. We're about to stack these episodes back to back. So just get prepared. Ooh. Okay. That was clean. <laughs> get prepared <laughs> for True North Talk. We are on the move here. Okay. We have some yes, big ideas. But we're in the move and a groove. Yeah. And, and honestly, it's been crazy. You know, life has been pretty crazy for uh, mm-hmm. for both of us. And it's been a challenge to, to get these podcasts out. And to be honest, it's it's only by the grace of God that we're going to get this one out <laughs> on Thursday. Yeah. Um, it's a I don't know. It's hard to explain for those listening. But it, you know, a podcast like this, it does take some intentionality and, uh, honestly just glad, um, that we're able to have this episode right now. I, I hope that what we talk about today will be a blessing to others. And honestly, even, uh, our conversation here, I think is relevant to what we're going to talk about today, which is like being in a state of worship, having our hearts set in a state of worship, um, really just worshiping God for the beautiful, uh, grace that he's given us and the beautiful Amen. nature that he has um, and just the awesomeness of who he is. I think we all need to have that uh, mindset every single day so that we can be good stewards of the faith and that we can live our lives um, according to his word. Um, and we're going to get into a couple different topics. Some of them are going to be, uh, like I said, the state of your heart. What, sh- what should our heart meditate on? Which you know, Psalm 19, we're going to get into that. Psalm 100 and 101, um, walking with integrity, having a steadfast love for the Lord, and then maybe a song, a song of praise here in Psalm 130 to cap us off. But really to start us off, Peter, I'm going to throw it to you with the opening question, kind of uh, open-ended here. But uh, what are some ways in your life that you have worshiped the Lord? And what does that look like? Yeah, that's a great question because... You know, there. I feel like the the one that obviously comes to my mind and would probably come to most people's mind is praise through songs in church. I think that's what most people think of when they think about worship. I mean, they call it a worship service for a reason, and so that's certainly one way. I know some people are comfortable singing, and some people aren't. I would encourage those who feel uncomfortable to even just like you know, mouth the words or something. If you don't feel comfortable with, with the voice that's got, that God's given you, I would encourage you to, you know, have that, you know, faith in God and just step out maybe outside of your comfort zone and actually sing out the words. Cause there is, there is power to that. And there's, there's power to, to meditating on it too, but that's a, a different point. But for me, that's one way. And, you know, growing up in the church, I've also learned that worship you know, growing up in the church and obviously studying the Bible, I've learned that worship doesn't have to just be that, though. To me, it's honor. You know, Joe and I talked about this a little bit before the episode. It's you know just honoring God with with the meditations of your heart, with your thoughts, with your actions, showing that you truly are following God. Um, and another way I would even say worshiping is ministering and witnessing to people because. You're by doing that. If you're doing it the, with the right intentionality, you are glorifying God, which is what worship is at the end of the day is really glorifying God. And honestly, I would even say this podcast is a way of worshiping God because it's you know a lot of times we'll just kind of sit back and either talk or definitely think about 
just the majesty and the awe-inspiring, awe-inspiring nature of God. And yeah, so I would say even this podcast and just talking even off the podcast too with Joe and with other people who I know in my life that are strong Christians and that I can have good conversations like that with, those are all ways that we can glorify God and worship him. Yeah. And there's so many different ways. I I don't think that we can really even list off all the different ways of worship, Mm -hmm. but it comes down to the condition of the heart, just like Jesus taught us about um, certain sin and certain action of, uh, of good action. Ultimately the nature of that action comes down to the meditation of the heart, right? So Mm -hmm. if our heart is set on meditating on, uh, you know, worshiping the Lord, then every action we take is going to follow suit. Um, and if we go ahead and read Psalm 19, I think we should just go ahead and read that just to start us off because I think that gives us a good, um, foundation for that idea. So, yeah. um, I can go ahead and read. Yeah. I'll just go ahead and read Psalm 19. So okay. the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands day after day. They pour forth speech night after night. They reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out unto all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than precious than gold. They are much pure uh, than than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. Uh, by them your servant is warned, and keeping them there is a great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant who also from willful sins, may they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. Uh, May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and redeemer. Wow. It's beautiful. Yeah. I I actually just read this in uh, one of my Bible study plans that I'm going through. And uh, something that stuck out to me when I was reading through it the first time was the the section about... um, the commands of the Lord and the mm-hmm. law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes are trustworthy, making wise the simple. And, um, you know, this is something we've talked about Peter in the past, but, mm-hmm. um, how have you witnessed in your life following the commands of the Lord and like how that transforms you and your heart? Mm-hmm. Because I know for me, when I am submitted to God and his presence and reading and praying and living and serving, serving him daily, it's almost like you lose all other um, ambition for other things. And honestly, I feel like when you follow the commands of the Lord, you know, they, they are righteous and they are more precious than gold and they make you wise and they refresh the soul. What does it say right here? It gives light to the eyes. It's, it's radiant. Um, I feel like it is a purity that comes um, in our lives. And I think for me personally, I've experienced that and it just... It's kind of the idea of like, you know, when you sin, um, if, if sin goes unrepentant or un- unrecognized, it becomes easier to sin more, right? Mm-hmm. 
Like if you if you excuse one thing, it it just down the road makes it difficult, even more difficult to come back from that and just to get right back on track. But if we're following the law of the Lord, refreshing our soul, making pure our heart, giving light to our eyes, there is a difference in our attitude and our in our disposition even that I've noticed in my personal life. But I'm just curious um, with you how that's uh, you know presented itself and how it's I'm not sure what the word I'm looking for, but just how that is. Um, you know, exemplified, exemplified. Yeah, sure. Let's go with that. I'm going to try to think okay. of the word while you answer. Sure. I would say I love verse seven, especially the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. And the other part is good too. the statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. But I think what a lot of people, even in Christianity, but obviously, especially outside of it, they look at the laws that we're supposed to follow as believers and think of it as like anything but refreshing. Like it's just a bunch, a list of rules that we have to follow. And by doing so, we're going to become miserable because we feel like we have to attain an impossible standard. But I think it's really, and I've seen this in my own life. I feel like it's a cause and effect in a way it's, you know, the, the cause is you're following these laws. And then the effect is that you just have a more positive outlook on life because, you know, when you're filled with the fruits of the, the Holy Spirit, for example, with, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, when you're filled with all of those, you're not going to have any room for feeling miserable or, or depressed or anything like that. And I'm not saying that you don't. And I would say when you do, those are things that can help pull you out of that state. But I've found that by following the laws that God that God says in his Bible, not following any of those, I think a reputation that precedes the law is the way that the Pharisees and even the way that the Old Testament kind of formulates it. It makes people believe that there's just all these ridiculous rules and standards about like how you know, you can only walk so far on the Sabbath or, you you know, you can't carry a mat on the Sabbath, you know, those sort of laws, or you have to eat this sort of meat. You can't eat this sort of meat. You have to have this certain process. But to me, God almost erased those laws with the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And because of that, the laws that we have to follow now are, you know, it's, almost a collective thing of just living like Jesus. And that's, you know, being kind and compassionate to others. That's living a life of repentance that when you do mess up, even though obviously Jesus never did, but when you do mess up, it's having that spirit of conviction, knowing that you did something wrong, but not beating yourself up over it. And, you know, just understanding that the the law that we have is not some impossible standard. It's not something that, you know, drags us down and makes us miserable because we're trying to follow it. And I've definitely seen this in my own life by following God's law as he intends. It it really does truly show itself with being perfect, refreshing the soul, trustworthy, making wise, the simple, right, giving joy to the heart, radiant, light to the eyes, pure, enduring forever, precious, that more precious than gold, pure gold, sweeter than honey. I mean, it's, again, like I said earlier, it's one word to sum it up. And it really, I don't think even does it fully justice is it's just, it's a beautiful picture of what the law does, what following the law does for us as, as believers. Yeah, absolutely. And I think looking at the, the, what you mentioned about, um, 
the law and as it stands now, I think there's a point of confusion with Christians nowadays. You know, do we disregard the law? Do we not pay attention to the Old Testament law? And if you look at in Matthew 22, Jesus addressed this. Um, you know, crowds were gathering around him and they asked, you know, um, I'm just going to read right here from Matthew 22, 34. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question, teacher, which is the great, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus, and Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Mm. So as Christians, you know, our first prerogative, especially when we're talking about worshiping God, but living our lives is to follow Christ. You know, having faith in Jesus is going to, to transform our hearts so long as we have, uh, if we're putting our best foot forward and if, we're, if we are following him in good faith with our best, uh, you know, of our, with the best of our abilities. Now, when you look at commandments that we can follow, I think that this is a good outline. You know, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. That means your whole heart. Okay, mm-hmm. you know, we've talked in the past about being, um, having one foot in the world, one foot with God. And the Lord does not, he, he detests, you know, lukewarm Christians. He detests yep. wanting to have half in and half out. And our hearts must be submitted here. Um, and this aligns perfectly with Psalm 19 of, you know, med- the meditation of my heart. Be, let it be pleasing in your sight. Um, you know, my rock and my redeemer. This is, this is the, the same, along the same lines. But I think with, when we're talking about worship, even Jesus, by issuing this command, um, reminds us of what we must do in order to be in a state of worship. We cannot be... Um, living in a state of sin, living in a, a habit of sin, and also um, expect to even want to worship God, right? Because, again, Peter, you can speak to this from your your experience, but with me, like in my life, um, you know, obviously I, I've been saved since I've, I was a young child, but we all have ups and downs in our relationship with God. And especially when I was more immature and didn't realize some of the things I realize now, there were periods in my life when I feel like I was not putting my best foot forward as a Christian. And honestly, when that was the case, my desire to worship God was less. You know, I, I felt more self-sufficient. I, I think especially as men, you know, we can tend to like feel like we have control of our lives and we, you know, we, we like structure, we like order, you know, discipline, having our habits, our rituals. And we tend to think like, you know, I got this, you know, like I, my life is set up the way it is. But when you're not submitted, your heart is not even like desiring um, uh, to worship the Lord. And you can tell me your experience with that, but just from my experience, that's that's what I have, uh, you know, seen. Yeah, and just just to tack onto that, I think the the verses that you pulled from Matthew 22 are perfect as well because. I think that when we live by those commandments to love Lord your God with all your heart, first of all, if we truly live that out, we're going to, I would say, automatically follow the laws that God has for us because we know that that's what he wants from us. And if we truly love him with all our heart and soul, then that's what we're going to do. We're going to, you know, and not to do it in like a sense of, you know, trying to like appease God or just to do it so that we can gain, you know, 
from a selfish perspective, but we do it because we know that that's what he desires from us and what he makes possible too. I, I think that's another point too, is it's, it's not something that's impossible. And, and I'm not saying obviously that we're going to live perfect lives cause we're not, but God understands that he knows that. And that's why he sent Jesus because he, he loves us so much that, you know, for God's love the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life John three sixteen, that shows that God has has a way out for us but um, it's something that Jesus said I'm not sure what the or maybe it wasn't Jesus maybe it's from one of the just from one of the gospels or from Acts or something but it's like you know just the idea that trying to find find the words here for this but like if we're not continue if, if we live in sin then you know this is something we've talked about as well i believe that you know maybe we're not truly saved um, yeah first john if you continue if you if you claim to walk in the light but you know continue to live in darkness you make me a liar yep there that's we what, go uh, you know in first john that's what was said right but yeah, like I, like I was saying, you know, we we need to be in submission to, to the Lord fully. If we're not, then we're going to have those questions and, and have issues with our state of mind, but especially with worship. And this is a small thing for me, but this is something that I have uh, um, I've thought about when people say this statement. And I, you can, Peter, you can tell me if you've heard this before and what you've thought about it. But like, you know, the two, the two most important commandments, Jesus answers. The second commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people can like, just people in the world, they can throw out this statement of like, oh, I can't, st- I hate people. I hate being around people. I hate people. Like I've heard that so many times and like, yeah, it's, is it, we should not have that viewpoint as Christians, you know, and, and maybe the people I, that I hear say that are not typically Christians, but I feel like I have heard some Christians just say like, oh, I don't like people. I just I can't stand people. Like, it's not that you have to love everybody that you come and you're, you're going to be best friends with everybody, but having a general love for your brother, I think is a, is a tenet of Christianity. I think it's an important commandment that we, that we need to live by. Cause if you don't love your brother, guess what you're not going to do. You're not going to love him enough to try to witness to him. You're not going to love him mm-hmm. enough to, to serve your brother in Christ when he needs it. Um, you're not going to love your friends as, as Jesus desires you to like, there's going to be so many issues but I think that that common sentiment of loving, you know, or, or not not liking people, it, it just that always bothered me when I heard that. I was like, Ugh. you know, sometimes I just don't say anything, but it's just like it's cringe for me to hear that. It, it's really cringe. Yeah. What well, and and another point too is Jesus commanded us to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, and so right. even not people, just people that, in general, that bother but even us, our enemies. Yeah exactly people that and you know we we probably don't really have like straight up enemies you and i joseph i mean i'm sure there are people that you know maybe are on our our bad side or whatever we just don't get along with no matter what we do but you know even with that in mind even to i mean and that makes it even easier then because you'd take it like a step lower i would say which is you know just people who we don't get along with uh, you know we don't hate them we don't consider them to be enemies um, but yeah, I mean, it's, 
so important to live by that tenant, like you said, that second one as, as well as the first is to, to, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. And I think the irony of the human response, for example, with our enemies, let's say that, you know, we have a valid reason to be mad at somebody, but we deem to be valid. Well, you know, but, and we decide to harbor that anger as a grudge, the irony. And I think the reason, part of the reason that Jesus taught the way he did about these things was that the ironic fact is that the more we harbor that anger, the more it's going to negatively affect us. And the Mm -hmm. person that we're angry against, for example, or whatever it is, malice, envy, you know, whatever. Do not let your, the sun set on your anger. Jesus said, so yeah, basically, because, you know, don't end the day angry at somebody. Right. But if we do, um, our own anger, it will destroy us. It has, it has no effect on them, which is like the ironic part. You think that it, right. you know, me being mad at them is going to send them a message. No, all that's doing is, first of all, it's telling them that they still have a hold on you mentally. And second of all, it's destroying you inter- internally and spiritually. So, yeah, I mean, there's so many different um valuable takeaways from Jesus, Jesus's commands other than just the fact that he is the son of God, we probably should listen to him. There's real, real world practical application here. Um, but moving along, Peter, do you want to go ahead and read Psalm 100? Yeah. And this, oh. I, I love the kind of like title under it that says with a lot of these Psalms, it said, it says things like a Psalm, you know, written by, by David or, written for the the instructors for music or something like that. But I love what this one says. It, it just says, a psalm for giving grateful praise. And so mm-hmm. picking up here in verse 1. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. That might sound familiar to people who have been in church a lot. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Yeah, and I think I'd like to just go ahead and read 101 too, because I think it kind of follows right behind that. Um, And it's along the same lines. So Psalm 101, I will sing of your love and justice to you, Lord. I will sing praise. I will be careful to lead a blameless life. When will you come to me? I will conduct the affairs of my house with a blameless heart. I will not look with approval on anything that is vile. I hate what faithless people do. I will have no part in it. Wow. That, that's right there. That's pretty stark to me. Um, yeah. The perverse of heart shall be far from me. I will have nothing to do with what is evil. Whoever slanders their neighbor in secret, I will put to silence. Whoever has haughty eyes and a proud heart, I will not tolerate. My eyes will be on the faithful in the land that they may dwell with me. The one whose walk is blameless will minister to me. No one who practices deceit will dwell in my house. No one who speaks falsely will stand in my presence. Every morning I will put to silence all the wicked in the land. I will cut off every evildoer from the city of the Lord. Okay. First of all, yeah. On Psalm 100, first of all, I think just the emphasis in this passage here on joy it, every time I read it, it just, it just like lifts the heart. It's like, wow. Um, getting into that state of mind, shout for the joy to the Lord, all the earth, worship the Lord with gladness, come before him with joyful songs. It just makes my heart happy. And that's why I've always, I don't know. I personally can't understand people who are so hesitant to sing worship songs. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm, I'm not like, if anybody out there listening to this, you don't feel comfortable singing. Like I'm not hating on you at all or, or condemning that, but I just, or I simply don't yet. understand no. it because my heart is full of joy and it, I mm-hmm. want to sing to the Lord, you know, even if it, <laughs> I think there's a scripture about saying like making a joyful noise. It doesn't necessarily need to sound good. Yep. Even, but, the, even the rocks will cry out if we don't, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which I mean, some people, I bet they would think that the rocks probably sound better than they do, but <laughs> that's not the point. Right. <laughs> Which, by the way, Peter, how would a rock sound if it, if it praised? I think it would sound a little <laughs> bit like Louis Armstrong. Maybe, maybe a little bit more gravelly. Did I hear a impression there at the, uh, for a few seconds? Louis Armstrong, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> that. That almost sounds more like a drunk person, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's not... It's not the noise, but I don't know. Yep. It's it's hard for me to understand that. I don't know if you have any any opinion on that, but it is hard for me to understand why why people would not want to worship. Yeah, I mean, I, first of all, I agree with you 100%. And again, we're not here to shame anybody that doesn't feel comfortable doing that. It, I mean, sometimes maybe it comes with time. I know both of us have been in the church for a while, but I do know people that have been in the church for a while that still just, for whatever reason, don't feel comfortable. And I think... I'm not saying it's necessarily pride, but I think it is important to kind of let your pride and ego go if that's what's holding you back. Um, Because I think that's maybe what stops some people from doing it is, especially I think at a younger age, because I feel like when I was probably like a a preteen to like er, early teenager, I was definitely in that boat. But I grew to realize just how powerful it is when you actually do pour out your heart to God. And to me, verbalizing that is the best way to do it. Um, So, yeah, I would just agree 100 percent with with what you said. And like you started to say and and, and did say that it's it's not about what it sounds like and the actual act of singing. It's about just the, I guess, desire that you have to praise God and to just lift your heart to him. I think that's like you said, is that's the most important part. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's an overflowing in your heart. That's really what I mean by that. It's like when you take in, when you try to understand the sacrifice that Jesus made for us and just the beauty of this whole creation, the whole universe, the story of creation, the story of redemption, um, God's perfect handiwork, his his perfect revelation to us. I love going to church and singing and, uh, same. You know, it's just, it's a beautiful thing. And I think that's encompassed by this Psalm. Now, what now Psalm 101, I mean, that to <laughs> me, that's like, wow, that, that is just a strict, uh, condemnation of sin. Yep. You know, and it's pretty cool to me because, you know, David, you know, you could probably read a lot of his Psalms and think this is a man with a heart, you know, he has, the man after God's own heart, yeah. The man after God's own heart, but he's also a man who has, you know, he's empathetic, right? You can see some empathy, you can see some some pain in his psalm sometimes, crying out, but, you know, even he is like, you know, no, I'm drawing the line here. I will conduct the affairs of my house with a blameless heart. I will not look, look with approval on anything that is vile. That's so powerful right there. Yeah. I mean, how many times have we talked about looking to the world for approval? And that's, you know, yep. the worthless pursuit that that is. I will not look with approval on anything that is vile. I hate, he says, I hate what faithless people do. I will have no part in it. 
And you know that that right there addresses the whole question of like, is it okay to do these types of things? Is it okay to to take part in some of these behaviors that faithless people are doing? I don't necessarily think that's great, and I think that that is uh, pretty clear here from David. The perverse of heart shall be far from me. I will have nothing to do with what is evil. You know, I don't know, but, you know, me personally, as as I've gotten older and as I've grown in my faith, I think the more aware and sensitive I have become to my circle and the people I surround myself with. And uh, you should not have any part in what faithless people are doing. You know, the perverse of heart should be far from you. And... You know, there's there's a couple people in my life that I could probably list off that I'm absolutely not going to, but <laughs> these people have others around them who are faithless and who have a perverse heart, and I'm seeing the fruit of their life, and it's like, you know, it's it's a it's a wonder, it's a wonder because these are the people you surround yourself with, and I think it's a pretty incredible it's pretty incredible that David uh, recognized that in this psalm. Um, you know, I don't know if you have, we've already talked about that quite a bit, but you know, just the, the strict condemnation and calling out of sin here from David, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think it's like you said, very powerful. And I mean, to go off of what you were saying, you become who you surround yourself with, you become the people that you're around. And I think this is a really good wake up call for people who maybe are in those circles. And I would say, especially who engage in the activities of what the people in those circles do, because we can't also just shelter ourselves and put ourselves in a bubble where we're not around any of those people. But I think the important thing is, are we in those situations where those sins are happening? You know, are we going out regularly to, to bars or even to, to nightclubs, or are we putting ourselves in, in the positions and situations to, you know, engage in sinful activities if you're doing that i think that's where the problem is if you're and also i would say if you prioritize time with those people above time with god first of all obviously but even just above other christians i think i think that's the important thing because obviously we are called to minister and to witness to non-believers and so I, it, it is a balance and I don't want to give like a, a cop out answer here, but I think what I would say is I would encourage everybody again, if you're in those circles and you're maybe not even if you're engaging in those activities, but if you're around those activities like drinking, you know, premarital sex, you know, the whole, you know, lying and, and all the sins that, that we often talk about, you know, if you're putting yourself in a situation for where those are easily accessible I think that is a problem. But if you're with those people on a, I would say, controlled basis, you know, I I like what it says here in verse two, the first part, especially, I will be careful to leave a blameless life. You know, if you're not putting yourself in those bad situations and you're being careful about leading a blameless life, then I think you're, you know, heading in the right direction and you'll see the, the fruits of that. Yeah, and it's a, there is a difference between uh, putting yourself in those positions and, and practicing what they're practicing and occasionally being around it. Right. Um, but I do think, like, we should have wisdom as well about should we consistently be 
in those situations to begin with. I, I don't think right. a lot of the time that's wise because it's just a fact of human nature and in the word we see this as well that you know more than likely in those situations you're going to be the one that's dragging everybody up and forward and they're going to be in most situations pulling you toward the world which is not not wise in my opinion but again um i think david's laying out here just he's talking about his house no one who practices deceit will, will dwell in my house no one who speaks falsely will stand in my presence you know dishonesty deceit uh, every morning I'll put to silence all the wicked in the land. I will cut off every evildoer from the city of the Lord. I think our households, you know, our, our house as the temple of the Lord, our bodies, but especially our household, our literal house, you know, having those safeguards and having those walls of protection will foster a spirit of worship and our heart of worship within us. Um, because we have, we have those safeguards and we are be, being careful to lead a blameless life. The purity that comes from the Lord uh, and the love of the Lord is something that truly is special. And, and it's something that you can only experience when you do it, when you follow his commands, when you're in his presence, these are things that you experience. And as it said in Psalm 19, um, that purity is real and it's, we have to guard it. Um, and it's especially important with worship. So Peter, do you want to go ahead and read Psalm 130 to kind of wrap us up here? It's going to be somewhat of a shorter episode tonight, but uh, just kind of a, a consequence of our, our circumstance right now, but you want to grab one thirty? Yeah, it's been, it's been packed for sure. Even if it is a little bit shorter. So yeah. Uh, picking up here and it says a song of a sense out of the depths. I cry to you, Lord, Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you Lord kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand, but with you, there is forgiveness so that we can with reverence serve you. I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, and with for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. Mm. You notice any parallels there with that psalm and... Uh, I mean, I, it's obviously it's an obvious parallel, but like between that and and Christ's sacrifice, I mean, it's to me it speaks right there at the end, uh, the redemption that comes and mm-hmm. the song. I mean, this is a song. Out of the depths, I cry to you, and it's actually a song that I mentioned to you before the podcast. But Psalm one thirty is a is a hymn that my church has played in the past, and something I I really love. Um, and you know we do need to cry out to the Lord. I've talked in the past that it requires a spirit of humility to make that call to God and to even seek him out. You know, others who are looking for, for God and, you know, maybe they don't know for sure if they believe. Um, it takes a spirit of humility, but it also takes a spirit of humility to cry out to the Lord and to worship him. And um, sometimes our sin can can keep us from worshiping, you know, Verse three, if you, Lord, kept a record of sins, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness so that we can with reverence serve you. You know, serving, serving the Lord is almost impossible with an earnest heart if you are sinning and not, and not repenting of that sin and living a blameless life. Um, I've experienced that with my church as well. You know, serving God can either, you can either do it uh, just to do it, or you can do it out of a state of worship. It comes down to your heart and, uh, 
you know, I know you, you kind of grew up around the church and in the church, Peter. So I, I don't know if you have any specific memories or examples of, of serving and the difference that you feel when it truly is a state of worship versus, you know, sometimes you just don't feel like doing it and you do it just to do it. But I think, uh, you know, having a short account of sin and also with reverence serving God, it requires us to be, um, our hearts to be meditating upon him and, and to be in that right mindset to serve him, uh, in a state of worship. Yeah. I, I think just to add on to that, and especially you mentioned, you know, serving, I think back to, you know, going to nursing homes to just minister to the people there or going to, in, in Columbus, actually, we, uh, worked at a at a food pantry sometimes you know handing out food to, to to people who were less fortunate uh and i think the important distinction there like you already kind of touched touched on is the the motive of your heart are you there either a because you're a drag to go there and you you know you don't want to be there and you're just there because you have to be or another wrong motive would be are you there for you know, selfish gain just to make yourself feel better about, about yourself and who you are as a person, or are you there to magnify God's love that he gives to all people and there to build his kingdom? If the third option is where you find yourself, then I would just simply encourage you, everybody listening to continue to do that. If you're in one of the other positions, if you're there because you have to be, I would encourage you to just kind of sit back for a moment and think about the opportunity that you have, even if it's not the first thing that you would normally do or not, not what you would, you know, the way you'd want to be spending your Saturday. Cause that's often when we did that. Um, but, but just thinking, you know, how can, how can I show people God with what I'm doing? Um, and then if, if the last thing is that you're there just because you want to make yourself feel better, that's a pretty you know, serious issue. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, just a, a selfish and a pride issue as well. And um, you know, even if that is your motivation, I would say yes, you'd need to change that. But in a sense, and again, this isn't what we should be seeking out when we go there. But you really do, and I think it only comes with when you do it through a pure heart and wanting to serve God and to serve those people. But you do, if you have that mindset mindset end up feeling better about yourself anyways or maybe not even better about yourself but you just feel better and you feel kind of like uplifted when you are able to uplift others first and I mean that's what Jesus said you know the first shall be last and the last shall be first put others before yourself and if you do that then you won't be focused on you know when you see the joy of others you'll then feel your own joy because you're happy to see what they're experiencing Right. And there's nothing wrong with, you know, experiencing the benefits of the love of God and the the benefits of of following his commands. But that obviously should not be a means to an end, you know, that we should be doing those things for just to make ourselves feel better. Yep. Very shallow and selfish. And honestly, I would I would follow with what you said. I mean, if you're serving in church and you're and you're doing it just because you need to do it or just because it's what you've been told to do, you don't you're not doing it out of state of worship. I would encourage you as well to, like, take a step back and stop temporarily and reflect on why you're doing what you're doing. And if you're going to re-enter that, make sure that your heart is, is postured correctly and, um, you're doing it for the right reasons. So yeah, I would echo everything you said. I think, you know, worship is something that we take for granted. I don't think we really think deeply about it, but 
in our daily lives, I think worship is something that we do need to incorporate. And even if it's just praising God for the simple things we have, I think getting in the habit of, of being grateful, uh, praising the Lord for the life we have, for the family, friends, health, our parents, um, everything going on, our opportunities, our country, our freedoms. There's so many things to be, to be grateful for and to praise the Lord for. And it, it just to know that it brings him joy is all the motivation I need to praise God personally. So I, I would encourage everybody listening today to uh, meditate on these ideas, um, to meditate on good things, to meditate on, on him and to live in a state of worship. And uh, don't be afraid. Do not be afraid to, to sing at, at church. You know, um, nobody's judging you. Nobody's sitting there looking at you weird. I mean, it's just a state of your heart. If you feel that joy, let loose, you know, don't be afraid. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, like I said, shorter episode tonight. Uh, maybe not too short. I mean, we're over 40 minutes, so pretty good little episode here, but, uh, wanted to get something out. And, um, unless you have any other final thoughts, Peter, uh, I would like to close us out in some prayer. Yeah. I mean, I, I can, I can pray final thoughts if you want me to just go with that. Sure. Yeah. God, I just want to thank you again for this opportunity for you to speak through Joseph and I, not for either of us to, to really speak through our own, you know, pride or self-serving attitudes, but to glorify you. And I pray that Joseph and I and everybody listening to this podcast would have a spirit of worship. They would be filled with a desire to just be in awe of you, God, and to lift you up with every opportunity that we have. Uh, and I know something that I was just thinking about that Joe was saying, you know, about everything to be thankful for every day that we, well, really every breath that we take, Lord, is a blessing and every new day is a blessing. Um, and so just, Lord, I thank you for, for this, for this day and for this opportunity to spend some time, you know, talking with Joe and, and most importantly, spreading your message and hopefully encouraging others to spend more time in worship. And Lord, not, not that it would become just something to check off, you know, a checklist or just to, do repetitively without any feeling. But Lord, I pray that we would just genuinely every day be grateful for even just another day of being alive, for another breath that we've taken, for for the blessings that you provide for us. And Lord, even the challenges. I know we haven't maybe didn't really touch on that as much, but really, Lord, it's important to worship you even through the tough times as well. And I would say even especially through those times, Lord. And so I just, I pray that you would encourage everybody, Joseph and myself included, and everybody listening to worship you every day, every moment of our lives with everything that we do and through the good and the bad times. And just thank you for who you are, God, in Jesus name. Mm. Lord, I want to echo everything Peter prayed for. I pray that this message would sink in today. God, I pray you'd bless our listeners. Uh, I pray you'd bless our, our, our mission to spread your word. And I pray you, you would uh, bless true North talk and it's, it's, uh, it's desire to grow and to, to honor you. I pray that you would use Peter and I and all our listeners in our daily lives to grow your kingdom. I pray we'd be grateful and live in a state of worship. I pray our hearts would be set on you. Um, and I just pray ultimately, God, your will be done in all of our lives. And uh, let pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you guys made it this far in the episode, we truly appreciate you turning in, as always, to True North Talk. This is episode 42 in the books. Uh, be sure to leave a, a like and rate on the podcast on Apple and Spotify. And with that being said, we will see everybody in episode 43. Peace. Peace.